Thanks for tuning in to the Flober Transport Podcast, where industry leaders talk about the trends, technologies, and influences shaping the convergence of public and private transport. Our guest today is Thea Fisher, who is Senior Director in Global Urban Mobility for Visa. Thea will be talking about the march of open-loop transit schemes and the impact of these for operators and passengers. But before we dive into the subject, Thea, perhaps you could provide us with a potted history of your career to date in the transport industry, and particularly your role with Visa. Thanks so much, Phil. Absolutely. So I first got into this space in a little bit of a wayward way, actually. I uh, have an academic background in economic history and English literature, and I was working at a venture capital fund in London, True, where we had at the time a strategic relationship with what was then Visa Europe's open innovation arm. So I was seeing all this really exciting stuff in the business to business, payment technology, financial technology space. And I met a founder who I really liked, who was the founder of a business called Little Pay that he was just setting up at that time. And so I joined as a sort of head of partnerships, jack of all trades, part commercial, part operational person. And Little Pay was a, initially supposed to be a micropayments processor, PSP, payment services provider, which focused on transit and then subsequently other verticals. And in the end, there was so much to do in the transit space that Little Pay just focused on transit. It's the biggest micropayments vertical in the world. So all of the little payments that you make uh, paying for travel on the tube amount to really a ton of transactions worldwide. And I stayed at Little Pay for five years, heading up the commercial function. So with overall P&L responsibility for the business. And then uh, I moved on to do a variety of different things. I spent some time with a really exciting business-to-business educational technology business. But in the end, the allure of the transit space and the payments and transit space was too great. And I came back to that space that I'd so fallen in love with for this role at Visa, which I've been doing for about a year. And my role with Visa is to look at how our value-added services across across the visa portfolio and, and really focused on visas acceptance solutions and how they can enable and add value to the urban mobility ecosystem. And that can mean anything from working on uh, making sure that our mobility and transit transaction or MTT framework is properly adhered to, to looking at services that acquiring banks use that help them process high volume, low transaction value transactions like you see a lot in urban mobility and a variety of other of other uh, services and solutions as well that that can help enable the mobility as a service ecosystem for both card present and card not present transactions. Thanks, Thea. That's uh, that's a fascinating background. Um, I noticed that um, Visa's Economic Empower Institute and Thought Lab recently published a research paper called Reimagining Ridership. What was the scope of the survey and why do you think it was important to do this work now? So the Visa Economic Empowerment Institute Reimagining Ridership paper included a survey of 75 transit agencies and 3,000 transit riders across six cities. And the aim is to gauge agency and rider sentiment around transit payments. And I think this is a really interesting time to ask these questions because 
we feel that we've reached a real tipping point in terms of the use of contactless payments and transit. So a few years ago, a lot of the conversation in this space was about whether transit agencies should accept contactless payments in transit or maybe they should invest exclusively in a mobile-only offering. And now that conversation has largely been won, I think, on the side of contactless payments. More than 4 in 10 transit passengers worldwide say that tapping their own debit or credit card to make open-loop contactless fare payments is their preferred fare payment option. We saw in the study that's 42% of respondents said that followed then by tapping a card stored in their mobile wallet, which 39% of respondents said. So I think that conversation's largely closed. So the aim of the study was to look at what happens next and where is rider sentiment taking us and what are agencies going to do. And if you zoom out a little bit from 30,000 foot view, it once you've enabled contactless payments for an urban mobility system in a city or in a country or in a transit network, there's a lot you can do beyond that. Maybe you're looking as an agency or a government to layer in loyalty schemes. Maybe you're looking to try and redirect passenger flows when there's a transit disruption. Or maybe you're looking at issuing a card that will enable the demographic group that's currently underbanked to access inclusivity in a financial system via transit as that first step. So I think that's really what we were trying to look at. What's next? Uh, So what do you think the big takeaways were to come out of the research? So a bunch of different themes came out. And I think probably the most important one is that there's huge benefit to riders by making it easier for people to pay for their public transit. The study found that nearly half of all transit riders surveyed would use public transit more if it were easier to pay to get on board, which is a hugely compelling figure. I mean, what does that mean about potential ridership uplift by focusing on and investing in the ease of that payment journey to get on board? It also demonstrated great benefits to transit agencies. So our conversations with the agencies as part of this research showed that 80% of those surveyed said they reported ridership increases as a result of open loop fare collection. And and that was a nearly 10% average ridership increase following the introduction of open loop payments. So you can see that not only are people and riders seeing the benefit of getting on board more easily, but also transit agencies are seeing the benefit of making it easier for people to get on board more easily. And we can understand why that might be the case. It's just much easier emotionally for you to get on a bus or on a subway system when you've got the method for payment in your pocket and you're not going to have to sit there with a map and a complicated ticket vending machine trying to figure out what products you need to purchase to get to where you're going. So what's the evidence, do you think, that Open Loop is contributing to a better rider experience? I'm not just talking about the numbers of riders potentially, but what else could uh, – where, where, where is the other evidence that um, overall the passenger experience is better? I think we, we saw really strong positive sentiment from our surveys of those riders relating to them using their – contactless payment card to pay for transit. So 
we not only do is that reflected in the VEI data set or data set that operators like Transport for London publish about shifts in ridership, shifts in usage away from cash, away from closed loop smart cards towards uh, open loop when it's available as an option for payment. But we also saw more than four in 10 pass- transit passengers saying that tapping their own credit or debit card to make fare payments is just their preferred payment option. So I think we see that sentimentally people really like paying with the product that's already in their pocket that maybe they use to buy a coffee, whether that's their phone or their Visa debit card. So where do you see good examples of cities with strong open loop adoption rates? I think Lothian in Edinburgh, who use Slowbird, are a phenomenal example. I understand there are about 80,000 taps a day and that that project was launched around the time of the Edinburgh Festival. So a huge influx of people and it's a very bold move to launch a big infrastructure upgrade like that at that time. And it's just proven that people love it and then it works really, really well for riders um, with sort of 62.9 million, I think, taps and uh, and 4.2 million unique users, which is really incredible. And there's a fair capping uh, a lot of those taps trigger a fare cap, which is just a phenomenal user experience. We're also seeing, we just saw last week, one billion Omni taps surpassed in New York, which is incredible on the MTA. So that's an amazing uh, milestone to pass. And then we've, we're also seeing phenomenal usage continued in London, in Transport for London. And I think One of the things that's clear about a lot of these great instances where open loop payments is implemented in transit is that fair capped systems are used. So the passengers can travel secure in the knowledge that they're going to pay a fair rate, uh, regardless of the amount of travel that they do. So they have trust and faith that they're going to get charged at the end of the day, the best fare for the amount of travel they they use with those fare caps. So I think that's a often the difference between lower and higher adoption is that laser focus from the transit operator or agency on the passenger experience. And you definitely see that with Lothian's project with Flowbird with that fare capping, uh, just as you see it in London with Transport for London with the fare capping that's applied there. Um, I guess one of the key concerns for public transport authorities is how to safeguard inclusion for every member of society to ensure that no one is excluded. Is this achievable with an open loop scheme and EMV? Well, it's a great question, and it's one that we we try and, and contend with a lot here at Visa. So Visa's mission is to uplift everyone everywhere by being the best way to pay and be paid. And within urban mobility, we really see that as being a mission to ensure that no rider is left behind as transport operators, agencies and urban mobility systems go through this digital payments revolution that they're going through today. So one of the ways that we think uh, agencies and operators can support that is using Visa suite of pay in advance solutions, which are mostly Visa prepaid and Visa 
private label cards or credentials that are issued that don't require full credit checks and bank accounts to be issued. So where you might take a closed loop smart card and upgrade it to an open loop card, so say a Visa prepaid card or maybe a digitally issued card that sits in a mobile wallet that enables people to travel with a credential that's actually part of the banking system. So you're getting a credential in people's hands who maybe don't today have a credit or debit card, but it's initially just a card that helps them travel around their city or or where they live. And that, from our perspective, is a phenomenal way to increase financial inclusivity while also helping people get around around a city or a transit system and genuinely helping drive social mobility in the same push at that financial inclusion. And I guess the other aspect to that is uh, almost a democratization of fares, as in whereas previously you might have had to buy a season ticket to benefit from advantageous fares, with fare capping, um, it's almost you pay as you go and you benefit as you go. Is, is that a fair comment? That's a great comment, Phil. So fare capping helps riders pay the best price for their travel and manage their travel budgets. Public transit needs to be financially viable for everyone, especially lower income riders. And if you're traveling in a system with a fare cap, you know that you're never going to spend more than you've anticipated in making that trip. We focus a lot on the benefits of our, an open loop uh, system for passengers, but are there any downsides? I'm thinking particularly about data privacy and payment security. So paying for public transit with your open loop card is just as secure as going and buying your coffee from the coffee shop with your bank card or your Apple Pay or Android Pay. There's no difference in terms of data security. So the same rigorous standards from EMVCO and from PCI DSS apply here. So it's just as secure and perhaps in some ways even more secure because you are being held to those rigorous standards. And there are a number of suppliers in the ecosystem who have taken great steps and gone to great lengths to invest in delivering PCI DSS compliant platforms for transit. And um So there's a lot of interest in mobility as a service uh, at the moment. Um, Do you think OpenLoop can be an enabler for seamless multimodal schemes? Absolutely. So OpenLoop can really be a great enabler for combining a lot of different modes together uh, under one product or user experience because you're using a payment credential that's already in someone's pocket or on their person to pay for all of these different modes of transit. And if platform providers and the mobility as a service ecosystem or maybe transit operators can tie that together using perhaps a tokenized version of that person's card or credential, that's a phenomenal experience which should enable passengers and riders to engage in mobility as a service products in a way that that maybe they're not today. So we are, have actually just released a mobility as a service pack, which you can find online that details how some visa solutions can enable those mobility as a service experiences. 
we think that there's huge growth there and we're super excited to see what happens in that ecosystem um, over the next year. Uh, obviously, we're all increasingly concerned about climate change. And there's, you know, there's a good argument to say that mobility as a service can, can impact positively on that, as can contactless open loop payments. How do you see the, the future of um, of transit playing out for a more sustainable future for urban mobility? So fundamentally, anything that increases ridership of an urban mobility system is likely to have a really positive effect on emissions. So when we hear urban mobility operators saying that they saw on average a 10% uplift in ridership with the introduction of open loop, we see that as a positive step uh, in an overall complicated program of positive climate forces. So we see this really clearly uh, with the Monopass app that Flowbird worked on in Monaco to try and motivate residents and tourists to make more sustainable travel choices. And that app had a goal of reducing light vehicle traffic by 20 percent by 2030. And it's also important, you know, it enables the Principality of Monaco to showcase its role as a leader of digital innovation. And that simple user experience has really been welcomed by Monaco's 40,000 inhabitants. It attracts 8,000 unique users each week and handles 55,000 transactions each month. So that's a really great example of how a transit platform can be used to incentivize and encourage users to make more sustainable travel choices, even if they're they're tourists and not permanent residents. I mean, those are sort of inc- incredible figures in terms of engagement. So we've already touched on the importance of universal access to transport. So what's your view on maintaining payment choices, whether that's contactless, mobile cash or closed loop? I think a variety of different payment choices make a great system. You need transit systems that are accessible to all. So you're going to need to have payment channels that work for everyone. And we've highlighted in this conversation that while Open Loop itself, just on the acceptance side, doesn't necessarily work for everyone, Open Loop acceptance with the addition of the issuance of a, say, visa prepaid for transit might work for everyone. And we need urban mobility ecosystems to focus on equity and inclusion of everyone. And so they both, both transit payments both need to be accessible to all and they can be used as a potential vehicle for financial inclusion. So those pan advance offerings like Visa prepaid and Visa private label provide transit agencies or can provide transit agencies and governments with the ability to issue physical or digital cards or credentials that use EMV technology, either instead of, but potentially just in addition to closed loop smart card systems. So that way you have payment channels accessible to all, regardless of whether or not they have a bank card or a mobile phone. So do you ever envisage a time when cash won't be needed uh, for public transport? It's really hard to say. Cash still plays a pivotal role, although in transit, we do see that consumers choose to pay with their existing visa card or credential more and more, which is reflected by the results that we we've discussed today in the Visa Economic Empowerment Institute study. 
I guess, um, Thea, uh, Visa is obviously extremely well known in the payments uh, area. Um, but what about the partnerships that you have with technology suppliers? How important are those in terms of promoting open loop adoption? I really can't stress enough how crucial the relationships with the technology suppliers are for Visa in the transit space. Programs like Visa Ready for Transit, which ensure tech suppliers are correctly implementing rules like the Visa MTT framework, and solutions like Visa Acceptance Platforms, In-Person Accept, and Token Management System, which help technical suppliers who are looking to provide open-loop processing systems and hardware and back offices. So we think that engaging with that ecosystem is really crucial and, and really helps open-loop payments in transit be implemented and be implemented with sterling user experiences at the center. And of course, our relationships with companies like Flowbird and the transit operators and agencies creates a hugely helpful feedback loop so that Visa can understand where we can enable and provide the most value and where we need to focus on educating the ecosystem so that they can enable these upgrades of these transit systems to open loop acceptance. So that feedback loop with the technical suppliers is absolutely crucial and really, really helpful. We collaborate through organizations like the UITP Open Payments Forum, which enables us to have that feedback loop and a dedicated group of suppliers and card schemes. And, you know, there are other card schemes out there, and, and, and it's also crucial that they're involved and that the industry as a collective works towards standardizing and providing great the, user experiences and enabling those user experiences and enabling that technical upgrade. And that isn't just pay, uh, transit technical suppliers. It also extends to acquiring banks and PSPs and the whole variety of value chain that gets involved in these immensely complex projects. And uh, finally, Thea, what's your estimate of how Openloop will grow in transit over the next few years? So I'm going to refer back to the reimagining ridership paper here because within that paper, 83% of the agencies surveyed said they intend to adopt open loop in future with 70% saying they intended to do so in the next 24 months. And that shift will be momentous if the vast majority of agencies who don't currently have open loop acceptance enabled today make that transition or begin that transition in the next 24 months, we will go from seeing you know, disparate user experiences still to a much more unified user experience in cities all around the world. And that also creates that acceptance framework where cities and authorities and operators can build on the initial acceptance, maybe that's issuing more pay in advance credentials like, uh, say, Visa prepage instead of the next generation of closed loop smart card. Maybe that's more and more mobility as a service providers or cities looking to invest in their mobility as a service experiences across multiple modes of transit and using that payment credential as the identifier at the center. Who knows? But it does create 
this amazing baseline for the next wave of payment innovation and transit and experience innovation as well. So really excited to see what happens next. I think we're also going to see a shift towards omni-channel experiences. So where you're combining the app to ride and the tap to ride. And obviously mobility as a service is a huge part of that. We, when we put together the mobility as a service pack that we've just released, we spent a huge amount of time really thinking about what these experiences might look like and talking to the ecosystem. And what we heard back was really, really exciting in terms of how perhaps omni-channel payment experiences could be reflecting the omni-channel nature of people's travel around urban mobility systems. Many thanks, Thea, for your expert insight into how contactless open-loop payments can advance the vision for urban mobility ecosystems that are frictionless, sustainable, and inclusive. Thanks so much, Phil. It was great. Great to chat. Don't forget to tune into the next Flowbird podcast for industry insights into the future of public transport. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.